This is the 99 Black Podcast. Welcome to the 99 Black Podcast. Uh, my name is Wes, and this is your Monday BS with Wes in the Book of Romans. Thank you so much for joining me. If it's your first time, uh, welcome. Welcome to the 99 Black family, where we are releasing Monday episodes, but also every other Tuesday, releasing uh, question episodes with my co-host, Connor. So, thanks for joining me for this Bible study. I understand that this is a niche type of podcast and it's a niche type of YouTube channel that we are uh, exegetically studying the Bible together, but I think it's needed. That's why I do it. And it's not only beneficial uh, for something that you may learn, but it's also beneficial to me to practice teaching it so that I can get better at sharing this everywhere I go. And I want that to be the same thing for you. So, we're in the book of Romans, chapter 4, and uh, there's lots of going on, uh, lots of things going on in Romans chapter 4. We're going to cover the entire chapter, and I'm going to try to keep it in this 30-minute bracket. And by the time you see this video or audio, you'll know if I did it or not. I want to keep note of everything that we've been talking about. Last week, we talked about Romans 3, 21 through 31. We talked about salvation through Christ alone, and this is really good news. We talked about faith, uh, substitutionary atonement, and uh, salvation. And we also talked about one of my favorite verses is Romans 3, 23, which says, For all have fallen short of the glory of God, and a reminder is for that verse. If you missed last week, go back and check it out. For all have fallen short and are continuing to fall. None of us are perfect. Yeah, I'm behind a microphone. I've got I've got some authority here because I'm I'm presenting the authority of scripture, but not my own. Uh, Because I fall short, and I continue to fall short. If you don't believe me, just ask my family. Now, I have some loving children, and they would never tell you publicly all the areas I screw up. But trust me, they do happen. So we're reading Romans 4, and we're talking about faith. And this is really important. I said in, I think last week, we're going to talk about faith a lot over the coming weeks. We're going to knock out chapter 4, which is all about the faith of Abraham. Guess what? It's about faith. Now, remember, one of the things that we're going to attempt to do, uh, maybe not as much in this episode because I got some uh, background and other verses. I'm tying from other verses for today's podcast, is that we're, you know, we want to summarize what we read. We want to see what stands out. We want to see what it says about God, what it says about humanity. So we'll try to get to that. No promises. But remember, we've been talking about faith, and uh, what is faith? It is the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And Romans 4 is all about Abraham's faith. And the faith of Abraham, the story starts in the book of Genesis, and there's a man named Abraham. 
and you have heard before, you know, the Jews come from the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now, Isaac wasn't the only son of Abraham. If you read in Genesis 15, I believe it's, or maybe it's 16, I'm not sure. Go check it out for me. Talks about Ishmael. There's been other sons of Abraham other than Isaac, and there's this whole thing about that. Uh, We're talking about the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it all starts with Abraham and how God worked with a man named Abram. And then something happened called the Abrahamic Covenant. There are a few covenants in the Bible. You have the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Davidic, uh, the Noahic. Guess what? They all started with a name and end with ick. Now, today, ick is like a bad thing. But in this terminology, it's just a descriptor. It's the covenant that was given to Noah or David or Abraham or Moses. And we're talking a little bit about the Abrahamic covenant. And in summary, we have the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 15, verse 5. And I'll read it. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Now this is Abram, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, that is important because we're going to see that verse again repeated in the New Testament. Remember we talked about the New Testament is the revealed plan of God that was given in the Old Testament. So it was hidden or concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the New. And that's why we're going to see in Romans 4 more talk about Abraham. Now, yes, his name was Abram, but when this covenant was given to Abram, God changed his name, and he changed the name of his wife as well. Uh, God had a God has a pattern of doing things like that through Scripture, changing the meanings of their names. And he did this with Abraham, who was about 100 years old when he was given this promise to have many descendants. And remember when I sang the song a few weeks ago, Father Abraham had many sons, and we're going to see who those sons again are, that the Jews had uh, the promises of God through Abraham, but then the Gentiles uh, get to join in on the fun. And it says that Abram or Abraham believed the Lord. This is essential. And the Lord counted him as righteous. Now, righteous, we use terms like righteous and justified, and we kind of get, we might be guilty of church and ease, right? Christian ease. And that is using terminology that other people don't know what it means. And so I like to define terms. It's always a big thing for me. Righteousness is defined, uh, the Bible describes it as the righteous person, a righteous person or a person as just or right, holding on to God and trusting in him. So it is a person who is just or right, they trust in God. That is a righteous person. Psalm 318, I have it noted here, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. This is what a righteous person is someone who fears the Lord and trusts in him and is just and right, who is made just and right. 
How is a person made just or right? Well, Abraham did not have Jesus. But my answer would be, well, we are made just and we are made right through the sacrifice of Christ. So how was Abraham saved if Jesus hadn't come along? How were people in the Old Testament saved? That's what we're going to get into. The time difference between Abraham and Moses who presented the law. Remember, we said the law was like a mirror pointing out our sin. That time span between Abraham and Moses is 430 years. Well, what was going on for 430 years? How are people saved? You know, they thought they were saved by the law, or they thought they were saved because they were circumcised. These were the things that the Jews did to uh, show their obedience to God. So how did they become saved? It wasn't through circumcision, even though they thought, you know, that was a sign that they were saved. But their their saving is going to come through faith, and we're going to read all about that. So buckle up, buttercup. We are in Romans 4, and uh, I'm only going to skip a few verses in this passage. I'm, I'm going to try to sail through this thing and, and kind of describe it. And thank you for joining me for a, a great and awesome Bible study. Romans 4, here we go. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. Now remember, this is Paul speaking to Jews in Rome. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have something to boast about. But what was that was not God's way, for the Scripture tells us Abraham believed God. Now, where did it say this? It said that Abraham believed God in Genesis 15, 5. So, Paul is referencing the Old Testament. See, the two are together. We don't drop one and pick up the other. They're tied together. For the Scriptures say... Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Why was Abraham righteous? Because of his faith in what? In God. He trusted God. He knew that it wasn't his works that brought salvation. It wasn't even circumcision that was going to bring salvation in his life because he got circumcised as an old man. Sounds like a lot of fun. Abraham believed God, and that's what saved him. Uh, when all right, verse four. Getting lost here for a second. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith. Where's the faith? WTF? <laughs> you ever thought about that? I saw that somewhere. There's a there's a uh, paid subscription podcast for Theosu, but. Their, their podcast there is called WTF, Where's the Faith? I love that. Because of their faith, where was it? It was in God, who forgives sinners. That Not because of work, but because of faith, people were saved. And this is perplexing. And even for me, it's difficult. Is that easy? Is that easy to be saved? doesn't seem right. seems like it'd be a lot more difficult than that. And honestly, I rack my brain sometimes. Like, God, is it really just the trusting and obedience to you? Or There's nothing I can do? 
No, not by any work that we're saved. And so we skip a little bit ahead. It's going to talk about David, and then I want to skip ahead to verse 9. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Now, this is kind of like saying uncircumcised Gentiles is not a compliment. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a backhanded statement. Being circumcised meant you were you were counted as righteous to the Jews. Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? So seeing they're noting that they believe that the circumcision was the path to righteousness uh, for a Jewish man, or was it because he was? Uh, you see, was it before he was circumcised, or was it because he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith, and that God had already accepted him and declared to be righteous. So, this was a sign. There's different ways that Christians show the sign of obedience now. Uh, circumcision is not required, even though in modern medicine and Western culture, it's very common uh, for this practice for males. Uh, even before he was circumcised, so Abraham is the spiritual father. Oh, remember? Father Abraham. I'm not going to sing it again. He is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. Well, who has not been circumcised? It's the Gentiles, those uncircumcised Gentiles. They have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. So how were people in the Old Testament saved? They were saved by faith in Yahweh, and the plan for salvation that he had. It's like saying, I'm drowning, and there's a boat that pulls up, and they have the uh, power to throw me a life vest or something. And I look to them, and I say, I know only by you throwing me a lifeline am I saved. It's not because of my ability to swim to the boat, because I have none. The current is pulling me too far away. It's only my ability to look to you and ask, please save me, and then you throwing me the life raft and actually saving my life. It's my faith and trust that only you can save me. And then my actions follow that. There's lots of information on what that looks like in uh, the book of James where he talks about a lot of this. So, it's uh, those who have faith have not been circumcised, all right? They are counted as righteous because of their faith, and Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith. Let's read that one more time. And Abraham is also the spiritual father. Also, remember, so we talked about the Gentiles. We're saved by faith. And Abraham is this also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. He's talking about Jews. So just use these terms kind of interchangeably for the discussion. Circumcised means Jews. Uncircumcised means Gentiles. But only if they have the same kind of faith. 
only if they have the same kind of faith. It's not the work that saves. It's not me. It's God. It's God saving me. I'm trash. I'm garbage, as Connor says sometimes. Abraham had this same faith before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth, I love that, the entire earth, to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. A relationship with God that comes by faith, and it was not based on his obedience. Now, is this an excuse to sin? Because I just read that it's not the obedience of Abraham that saves him. And it's not the obedience of you and I that saves us. The obedience is the byproduct of our salvation. But if you find that you are never obedient, I guess you would find that you're never saved. Okay? The two go together like peanut butter and jelly. And I love a good Uncrustable, if you know what I mean. All right, so it's not the obedience that saves us. It's our faith. It's our faith that looking at God saying, I cannot save myself. I recognize my sin. I follow you, and I will obey you. But that's not the salvation piece. That's the byproduct of salvation. But if you're never obedient, you're probably not saved because that's the effect. When the Holy Spirit fills you, it changes you. And uh, we got a lot of good conversations coming about that. All right, where are we at? Let's, uh, verse 14. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary. And the promise is pointless. So if you are saved by you're just so holy and obedient, then faith, you don't need faith. But you are disobedient, and so am I. Like, we're constantly missing the mark. Remember, the, the word sin is defined as just to miss the mark. The missed the mark of obedience to God. We're constantly missing it. But if you can do it perfectly, you don't need faith. But there has been only one who has come as a man and done it perfectly. Truly man, truly God, Jesus Christ. So, for the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking, breaking the law is to have no law to break. Now, remember, what did I compare, what did I say the law brought well, the law brings death. The law brings punishment because it enlightens us to uh, our nature and who we are. We are a sinful nature. We are a sinful people. And the mirror, we hold up the mirror and we see ourselves. We see that we're dirty. We have sin. Some of us more than others, but we both have it, right? We both have this sin. And it's only the acknowledgement that we are sinful and then saying, hey, only God and his plan, which has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ, is what will bring my salvation. I faith, I have faith, and I trust in it. I just go forward, just trusting in it. And uh, the only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. But guess what? 430 years after Abraham, Moses was given this law that pointed out all of our sins. Because guess what? You try to follow all of these laws, you won't do it. You might do it some, but you won't do it entirely. 
And the only way that we won't break these laws is if we didn't have them. But we do because they point to who we are. So the promise is received by faith. What is the promise? Well, the promise is that we will be saved by God. Uh, We are the sons of Abraham. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham. We are the sons and daughters of the promise of salvation given to Abraham and his descendants. And we are the spiritual descendants because he is our spiritual father, according to Paul. And this promise is received by faith. It is, a, it is given as a free gift. Man, I love a free gift, but it's difficult for us to accept gifts sometimes. For, many, for me, it's a really difficult thing to do. It's hard for me to celebrate getting a free gift because I'm kind of a hardhead. And, I'm, you know, I like to work. I like to kind of, I like to look, at, look back on my work and say, look what I did, look what I earned, or maybe look what I completed. I like to build and do projects and look back at it and say, look at that. I like to write music and say, wow, that turned out really great. Look what I did. And we do that with everything, and we do that with salvation. When someone gives me a free gift, I had a, I had a friend, he gave me, uh, some money. Just He was being kind. Like, I didn't need it. He just wanted to thank me for something I did. And it was so awkward to me. It was so difficult to receive because I was like, well, I didn't do anything for this. And that's how it feels for salvation. Right? I didn't do anything to really earn this. I was just, I was just existing, and you were kind to me. You gave me a free gift. That's what God does. Through Christ, he has given us the free gift. And we all, uh, we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. Now, you could read the first half of that verse and be like, oh, we're all, we're all going to receive it. We're all going to receive Jesus, whether we accepted him or not. And that's called universalism. And that's saying that Jesus died for everybody, no matter what they believe which is unbiblical. And in our, in our journey for biblical literacy, we're fighting against statements like that because it says, if we have faith like Abraham's. We've been given this gift, and we're certain to receive it. If we have faith like Abraham's, what was Abraham's faith? To trust in God. If you go back in Genesis and look at who Abraham was, he was a liar. Uh, he was a deceiver, right? If he would have had laws, he broke them. He went into towns and told half-truths because his wife was his stepsister, and he would say, uh, well, this is my sister, um, and then the the kings would try to sleep with her, and then they would be punished and be like, why have you done this to me, Abraham? And he was kind of being shysty, which was passed on to his entire lineage. You see uh, generation after generation being sneaky. And it started with him. He, was a, he would have been a lawbreaker. His obedience wasn't perfect. It was not his work. It was not his obedience, but it was the one in who he placed his faith. It was saying, uh, I'm not, I can't do this on my own. That none of this matters about my abilities except for my ability to trust in you. That's what my faith is. All right, so for Abraham is the father of all who believe, 
Um, that is what the scriptures meant when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. Now, Abraham had a son at around 100 years old with his, I think, 99-year-old, or maybe she was 90. She was in her 90s, so, you know, she wasn't a spring chicken. Sarah, they had children. They had physical descendants. And there, there's lots of talk about, you know, Abraham took Isaac up, up the mountain and he was going to sacrifice him. And what type of God would do that? And I don't want to get lost on that, but all of that is pointing to how God the Father actually did sacrifice his one and only son. And nowhere in Scripture will you see uh, Jewish or Christian belief of it's okay to sacrifice human beings. Um, but Christ sacrificed himself for all human beings who would do what? Put their faith in him. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead to life, back to life, and who creates new things out of nothing. Who can create something out of nothing? No human, not you, not I, not Abraham, none of Abraham's descendants, only God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, and who is presented to us in God the Son, Jesus Christ, and who now lives in believers, God the Holy Spirit. Only he is the one who brings the dead to life and creates new things out of nothing. This is, this is a recognition of who God is. We need more of that. Verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. He kept believing and hoping. And every day, as a believer, that is what we are doing. Every day we wake up and believe and hope. We believe in and in the death and resurrection and salvation through Christ, and we hope for the future of what it means for us. We look forward in our hope. When we have hope, when no one else does, because we know we live eternally, and who does our help come from? It comes from God. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Dude, they were super old if you haven't got it. They're super old, way past the uh, age of childbearing. It seemed impossible. Sarah even laughed at it. It's, it's noted in Scripture. And then, of course, God's like, I heard you laugh. And she's like, no, I didn't. He's like, oh, yeah, you did. Uh, it's kind of a funny little back and forth that they have. Not for her, though. I'm sure she was not laughing after that initial laugh. But verse 20 says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. I read that and I see that's what God has called us to do. Never waver in his promise. Never waver in what he has promised to us. And some of us do. Some of us do waver. We, we talk about the parable of the seed. Some of us do waver. Some of us hear the gospel, believe, and then stop believing because we never were rooted the gospel was just something we liked the idea of for a time, and we'll get more into that. But Abraham never wavered. He never wavered until the last day he was done on this earth. 
in believing God's promise. And that's what you and I are called to do. Never waver in believing God's promise of salvation through him only. And who is he? He's Jesus. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. His faith grew stronger every day. Is your faith growing stronger every day? That that is a sign that you have truly trusted and believed and have faith in Christ. Your faith growing stronger every day. If every day you look back and see, man, my faith is getting weaker. That's not in the example that we're seeing here that you would progressively get weaker in your faith. No, if the Holy Spirit is in you, you will progressively get stronger in your faith. See, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He was fully convinced. When's the last time you were fully convinced of anything? He was fully convinced that God does whatever he says his promises are. I pray that I wake up every morning fully convinced that God is the only way of salvation and the, the life, death, resurrection of Christ is the only way of salvation that I am fully convinced of it. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Not holier than thou, but righteous. Counted him as just. Counted him as, what does it say here? Uh, Someone is just or right. Holding on to God and trusting in him. He was doing those things, and God considered him righteous. And it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, for all who would believe. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous. Us as righteous. If we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins. Because of whose? Because of ours. Jesus was handed over, and he was raised to make to, to life to make us right with God. So how are we, we made right with God? Well, ultimately, only through Jesus. Only through Jesus are we made right, and only through our faith in him and his work are we made right. And that was Romans 4. That was awesome. Dude, I love that. Reading about Abraham gets me a little hyped. There is a, another reference to Abraham. I want to pick it up real quick. Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 9. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his what? His faith. Abraham had faith. And he passed that faith down for generations. And now we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. And we receive the same blessing of salvation through Christ, revealed to us, through Christ, because of this faith. Do you have faith? WTF, where's the faith? Hopefully, it's in Jesus Christ, because if it is, that's where ultimate salvation comes from. So, really quickly, summarize what we read. Well, we read that Abraham had faith, and it wasn't his work that saved him. It was who his faith was in. It wasn't what, but it was who. And who was his faith in? God. All right, what do we see that stands out? 
Well, let me see here. What do we see that stands out? There's, there's this idea that people have that circumcision back then and even today, a perfect, uh, a perfect record of obedience. For them, it was circumcision, uncircumcision, or non-circumcision. But there's this idea of perfect obedience is what makes you right with God. No, that stands out to me because none of us are perfect. And so it should stand out to you that it is not your record that proves you right, but your record does show you where your faith lies because you can talk a lot. We talk a lot about uh, profession of faith versus uh, possession of faith. You know, it's evident through your actions. So it really stands out to me that we keep a record of obedience, but that is not what saves us. And that's great because uh, all of our records are flawed. All of our records are um, have some have some definite definite sins recorded in them. Uh, so what does this passage say about God? Well, it shows that God is the bringer of salvation through Christ, and it's only Him. So that means He's super gracious. The level of grace may not be understood. It's kind of a mystery. Paul refers to it as a mystery. The mystery of salvation, and it only comes through God, and it shows that God is gracious. And lastly, what does it say about us? Well, it says that we are in need of salvation, and we need to have faith. Do you have faith? There have been times where I don't feel like I've had a ton of faith, but all you need is a little faith. You know, the I think Jesus talks about the faith of a mustard seed. Why do we talk about that? Well, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not the size of your faith because a mustard seed is super small. It is the existence of your faith and who it is placed in. Because I can have the faith of a mustard seed, but if I have put it in the correct farmer's hand, they can do a lot with a little. And God is the farmer. God is uh, going to farm and. Uh, fertilize the seed of the gospel in us if we'll let him. And I pray today your faith will grow stronger and stronger. And thanks for joining me for Romans 4 to uh, be in our Bible today on this first day of the week, Monday. So thanks so much for joining me. Uh, This has been Monday BS with Wes. We'll see you next time.